The Straight Cash Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You can do this for concerts, for theaters, for football games, uh, for, heck, a Citrus Bowl if you wanted to follow the Gophers, if you want to get into the Vikings-Lions game this week. The GameTime app is the way to do it. With two easy taps, you can check out, buy your tickets through the app. You can see what your vantage point will be through all of the different seats you look at. You can see if you're getting a good deal or not. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Straight Cash Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Graff, joined in Seattle, high above CenturyLink Field, uh, by my colleague on the Vikings beat at the Athletic, Arif Hassan. Arif, here here you are back uh, in in this city that you've come to be so known uh, and attached with. What what is your view from 30,000 feet as... Uh, we now recap the Vikings falling 37 to 30 to the Seahawks in Monday Night Football, um, in what was you know really in some ways a pretty crazy game. Yeah, well, my view is uh, baby Yoda's all the way down. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I saw on my Twitter feed. Uh, there's an edit of, of of Russ as a baby Yoda. I can't. But <laughs> as for the game, yeah, it was actually a much more exciting game than um, so I expected an exciting game, but I think. After the third quarter, um, you kind of expected the Vikings to just kind of be out of it. Even yep. after what we saw in Denver, you just—it's not—it's it, already a difficult situation to come back from, and the Vikings just historically just haven't been able to do that, despite what they did two weeks ago. Uh, so there were a bunch of crazy things that happened. I think the final fumble with CJ Ham kind of capped it in a super <laughs> appropriate way, but there were a bunch of weird turnovers. Obviously, the Russell Wilson pick. Um, I, I think even the the Diggs pick. I don't even want to call it a Cousins pick. Right. <laughs> the Diggs pick. The second Diggs the pick second of the year, pick. actually. Yeah, now right. that I think about it. Yeah. One hit his face. The other one his hands. <laughs> you know, right where you don't want the ball. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's kind of wild. Uh, a lot of weird things happen. You mean Cook fumble, which I mean he's mm-hmm. not known for ball security or anything like that. But you know that was kind of crucial. The Seahawks, uh, their running backs didn't fumble, but they did have one fumble from Metcalf. Um, a lot of turnovers in a game for, I think, teams who have a reputation for being more disciplined than they actually are. Yeah. We are uh, next to the press box here in Seattle, which boasts its own Starbucks inside. So we're both on who knows how many coffees now. Uh, it's I, I got to say that to me is the highlight. Uh, up here yeah. having an ice almond milk latte. So so <laughs> life is good, even if the Vikings fell to eight and four. Apologies if there is some loud noise during the show. There is a crew next to us taking down the Monday night football set um, after Booger apparently thinks that the Minneapolis miracle went poorly for the Vikings. I'm not really sure where he was going with that. But nonetheless, let's start with, I think, 
what may be the biggest part of this. Because I think a lot of people, especially if you factor in that Patrick Mahomes didn't play in the Kansas City game, thought this game in Seattle is probably the toughest test for the Vikings. Forget about primetime and Cousins' record in Monday night because he was not the problem. But you're going up against one of the top two MVP favorites in Russell Wilson. You're going up against the Seahawks in Seattle in a crazy atmosphere, a very good Seahawks team, a Seahawks team that's now 10-2. and This was a tough game uh, throughout, so I don't think the Vikings losing is too terribly worrisome, but I think what could be an issue is Dalvin Cook's injury. So early in the second half, he goes down with an injury to his chest, which um, is essentially as announced Again. as a shoulder is <laughs> is not his shoulder. Uh, it's reaggravating an injury that he suffered against the Denver Broncos two weeks ago, and he says he's going to be okay. He says he's going to play next Sunday against the Lions, so that's good news. However, it also seems pretty clear that this is something that is going to linger with him. He was talking about making sure that he falls a certain way, which I think is a little. Difficult concerning to <laughs> and difficult to control. So I, I, I don't know. It's hard to make too much of what is going to happen there. But, um, you know, I think when you see Dalvin Cook down and, and given everything he's meant to this team, that that was an incredibly worrisome time for Vikings fans. It was. I, I will say that, that Madison came in and produced almost as many yards on half as many carries. So uh, there was some production there. Uh, so you're back on the running backs don't matter train. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Yeah. I go back and forth when it comes to Dalvin. Uh, he's, he's fun to watch. But, you know, Madison's been super productive. And I think that uh, – and, and also, I mean, we saw it on screen pass too. So they were able to, to produce with him losing. But I think when you, when you take kind of like a, a look at the way the team wants to run itself, you know, obviously they expect Dalvin to be healthy. He's a big part of their game plan. And moving away from a game plan, whether or not it's like more efficient to throw the ball or not – um, I, I think it's always difficult to kind of just change what you need to do over the course of, you know, one week as a team. And so while I think that the Vikings should have always been, you know, a pass-first team, you know, unless they're up 28-0 against the Falcons, <laughs> right? I, I think that... Man, uh, that feels like ages ago. Right, just yeah. <laughs> you saying that even made me think like, oh Same my team. God, that was this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know... Mod- modifying their approach from kind of who they've been or what they've been, that's going to be difficult. And so the fact that he's healthy, I think, um, or healthy enough maybe, um, is a big boon. But the fact that uh, that health is not going to be a guarantee going forward is, is just going to be such a big problem, especially because it seems like this is the kind of thing that might have caused the fumble. You know, right, he said you don't right. want to blame it, but like... Well, maybe that's the approach he needs to take, but as a mm-hmm. team or as like an outside observer, you have to wonder if maybe the injury increases the likelihood of that. Yeah, which to me, you know, this is a team that held Adam Thielen out today because they stressed we want our players to be at 100% if they're playing. So while Dalvin Cook says he's going to be good to go Sunday on a short week, it, it would not be too terribly shocking to me if he sits the next game out. If he does, we talked about Alexander Madison and what he brought tonight how confident should Vikings fans be if Dalvin Cook misses a game or two games that Alexander Madison will be able to, while perhaps not doing every single thing that Dalvin Cook does, especially in space, be able to effectively uh, help the Vikings' offense go? Yeah, well, I, I think one instructive example is to see what C.J. Anderson did with with, uh, with the Rams while, while Todd Gurley was injured. 
Um, so the production looked very similar. I mean, I think you know Anderson was even potentially more efficient from a yards per carry standpoint. But the problem was that the entire game that the Rams had built, especially their play-action game, was built off of runs to the outside. They're an outside zone team, so their play-action is built on outside zone. You have a bunch of naked bootlegs. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, <laughs> but it, it is very it's very Vikings. And I think Madison is, is very similar, uh, probably a better back than Anderson, but very similar in that... He's an inside runner. You're probably not going to run a bunch of outside zone. You can't threaten outside zone. And what that can do for teams is, well, Bill Belichick decided to, to activate Danny Shelton for the first time in a couple of weeks. Big nose tackle. All he can do is stop the run, and they have to be inside runs. Well, guess what? That's all the Rams have. And so they knew that they could get them out of their play-action game. They knew they wouldn't be able to be productive on the ground. They knew they wouldn't have to. Uh, you know, worry about setting the edge so they'd have the ability to defend inside. And that changed the entire defensive approach for the Patriots. I think if you don't have Delvin Cook, you might still get some similar efficiency gains, unless there's a matchup-specific problem like with Danny Shelton. You might get get the same efficiency gains, but the complementary football that you get is not going to look the same because if you can't threaten outside zone, teams are not going to bite on it. And it could look a lot like the play action did against the Packers in Week 2, where it just got completely shut down, and it seemed like they always kind of knew whether or not the Vikings were running play action. Turns out they didn't. They just decided not to defend <laughs> the run. But but it could look a lot like that in terms of in terms of defending the pass. And so that's going to create some problems if they can't rely on Dalvin Cook going forward. So that'll be interesting to see. Of course, stay tuned to The Athletic for all of that as it unfolds this upcoming week. If you are not yet a subscriber, you can do so for 40% off at theathletic.com slash straight cash. We'll get into the offense in a second, and a lot of people who are pointing out that Kirk Cousins now, you know, is 0-8 in Monday Night Football games. His jersey number. His jersey number, <laughs> but this one I think we can safely say is is not on Kirk Cousins. Uh, I want to get to you with what I think is a bigger issue, and that is the defense and another game from the defense and another big game in which... They didn't really show up, and um, there's a lot of facets we'll get to with the defense, but of course, I think everybody knows where we have to start with this, and that's Xavier Rhodes. He was targeted four times early, gave up four catches on all of those for 98 yards and a touchdown, gave up a touchdown in which he was just straight up burnt. I think he probably thinks that he had safety help over the top. He did not. Uh, it didn't seem, you know, the other 10 players in the defense thought he had safety help. It didn't seem Mike Zimmer thought he had safety help when <laughs> they got to the sideline and Mike Zimmer and Xavier Rhodes were yelling at each they other a bit. I disagree about the nature of safety help on that play. <laughs> so <laughs> what are your thoughts directly after the game? You obviously haven't looked at the coach's film and everything, but what what is, I mean, we've talked about Xavier Rhodes so much, but where are we at now? After almost every game, I say, hey, you know, I don't think Rhodes played as bad as it looked out there, which is not to say that he didn't play poorly. But I think in this game, he played about as bad as it looked. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. You do want to give him a little bit of credit for forcing that fumble. That was pretty huge, actually. Um, But gave the Vikings a chance to, you know, have that potentially game-winning drive that didn't end up working. But yeah, it was a good play. Yeah, and that, you know, maybe that sets him back to zero versus the David Moore touchdown, right? But then there's like the three other receptions you have to account for, plus the fact that, uh, you know, he was benched for his, basically his behavior, his attitude. Right. Uh, and, and Which to all, me is just as troubling. I mean, this feels like a little hot take-ish to even say that 
his attitude on the sideline mattered as much as play on the field. But let's go back to the owners' meetings in March. Right? Yeah. If it removes him from the game, and this was Mike Zimmer has talked about this throughout the beginning of the offseason, saying that this is an issue. We're not going to have these blowups. I'm not going to put up with it, and he won't play if if he has them. And now. He got benched for two series, did end up coming back in the fourth quarter and playing, and as you mentioned, caused the fumble. But this is, you know, I think if we were at least tiptoeing, you know, on on being very worried or, or hitting the proverbial panic button on Xavier Rhodes, I, I think <laughs> I, we're about crossing that. I hate talking about player attitude. I hate talking about <laughs> player behavior. It's not my wheelhouse. I think it's too easy to have hot takes. But if it removes you from the field, that's a problem. Right. If uh, that seems safe to say, yeah. If um, if if you don't know the nature of the coverage that you're in, and I think yeah, I think the gosh. I think the reason for that is that the defense did change what they were doing in in coverage on the back end. Uh, and Russ even mentioned that they were playing a lot of too high, which is pretty unusual for the Vikings. They tend to play cover four or cover three, uh, and so and their cover four makes it pretty easy to defend the run, and the cover two was way off deep. So. Uh, they were trying to take away the deep ball. Maybe I gave them too much advice. <laughs> but uh, because of that, I think I think Rhodes thought it was a different coverage than it well, was. We know we thought it was a different cover, but I think that's the reason. Um, yeah, you kind of have to look at it. I thought Mike Hughes was fine mm-hmm. uh, when he was playing. Yeah, fine. But the thing is, before uh, Rhodes uh, had that penalty, which you know I didn't actually get to see a good look on. I saw a lot of people on my timeline say it was a pretty poorly called unnecessary roughness penalty. It seems like there was a lot of poorly called penalties on Rhodes. I don't know. Maybe the issue is <laughs> him. But um, but you know, before that penalty, I thought he was actually playing pretty well because there were a couple of plays, more than one play where he had press coverage against DK Metcalf, and he just pushed him out of bounds. And at that point, you can just let him go. Sorry, there's a bunch of noise. That's <laughs> the Monday night <laughs> yeah. broadcast booth being taken down. Don't mind us at our construction site here at <laughs> yeah. Century League Field. But yeah, once you push a receiver out of bounds, uh, they can't touch the ball. It's illegal. So you're probably fine. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, there, were, there were a lot of plays where he was playing really well, and then a lot of plays where obviously he wasn't. Um, yeah, this is this is one where you have to evaluate. A is Mike Hughes like fully able to replace uh, Xavier Rhodes? Obviously, right. which I think is a big question. Like, so many people are sick of Xavier Rhodes at this point and saying, "I don't care who comes right. in after it." Holton Hill, Mike Hughes, whatever. Well, Give me then, somebody different. And then Mike Hughes gives up a big play, and people are really right. upset with him. But I think for the most part, he actually played pretty well. Uh, and then you know, a couple of weeks ago, he had just an abysmal game, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now you don't know if it could be him. And now you're thinking. Well, Holton Hill, you know, he played seven snaps this year, but they were really good, you know. <laughs> Does that count? Can we count on that? It's just this weird problem where the Vikings both have a ton of depth and not a ton available to them in terms of options at cornerback. I wouldn't be shocked if there was, like, a second-round corner and they just tried to get out from under this as soon as possible. Well, and it, you know... Especially I, because I don't think Trey Waynes is playing well. Right, well, and either. it is interesting going forward because I think there's a a good chance that the Vikings only bring back one of Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, and Trey Waynes at the end of this season, potentially being Mackenzie Alexander. And then you're back at the spot where, even though we've all said, holy cow, they've drafted so many cornerbacks, where they're going to have to draft a cornerback in maybe even the first round. I don't like you're going to need a left tackle, but you're also going to need a cornerback. So uh round and round we go and um you know i guess and it's interesting too with detroit coming next weekend 
Remember, Detroit is where a lot of this started. Not everything, because there were a lot of questions on Xavier Rhodes even entering the season, but that's where he gave up a couple of touchdowns, I believe, to Jones, and they were... Uh, Two I think touchdowns he, for five years. Right, right. <laughs> so, One of them was contested, but he also gave up the, the deep pass interference. I think that was that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if, if this is... Games, Rhodes has lost a step, or if the rules have changed and he can't be quite as physical as he could in 2017... I think it's a little bit hard to know exactly. I, I think it's what a is the root bit of, of everything. So Rhodes has never been the quickest player. You know, he came out of the combine, I think, running like a four-eight short shuttle. <laughs> like it was, he was—he's not a super quick player, but he was always able to make up for it in a bunch of different ways. He's had a bunch of length. He's incredibly explosive. He had a forty-two-inch jump at the combine as well. He ran like a four-four-five, which is huge for a two hundred and twenty-pound cornerback. He's six-two. He's got all of these tools that can kind of make up. For his deficiencies, so him losing a step is really tremendously important uh, in terms of the way he plays and the kinds of receivers that he's weak against or strong against. So, you know, I think he'll always be able to have some chance against the Cortland Suttons and the Kelvin Benjamins or whoever. Um, but you know, when you get to the Golden Tate or the Tyler Lockett's, you know, it, it might have he might have some problems. That obviously didn't happen here. He was basically matched up against DK Metcalf the whole time, but. And funny that Lockett didn't have a catch. Like, of all the players, I would have been most concerned about him. Well, I mean, we should talk about Mackenzie Alexander, who's been having a really excellent year. I thought he had a really good game here. I don't think he got targeted once, and I was able to watch just him. Because I'm trying to take a look at kind of how the coverage changed, and I was able to watch just him. And I thought he was blanketing whoever was in the slot. So, um in all this pessimism about the Vikings' coverage, I think it's important to say, hey, J. Ron Kirst seems to be a good cornerback, which is weird, uh, <laughs> and, and Mackenzie Alexander's playing really well in the nickel. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, if, if Rhodes has lost a step, I think he loses all of the stuff he needed to have in order to make up for his weaknesses. And then also I think that the second factor is also that you know, I think the rule enforcement has changed a little bit, and in, in, it, it hurts him. And he always played close to the line anyway. I mean, Zimmer at one point had to force him to wear boxing gloves that he would right, stop pulling right. on to, to, to receivers. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if the way he played uh, physically was very similar to 2017, but it's just getting called more now in 2019. So I think it's a combination of a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. I have a little more I want to get into with you, Arif, uh, about the defense. Uh, but first, the Straight Cash podcast is presented by Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com cash and complete an online visit. Just go to GetRoman.com cash. Cash. That's getroman.com slash cash for a free visit to get started. All right, Arif. Vikings moved to eight and four. And I think... (laughs) Well, I do think that this sets up for what is potentially kind of a not super thrilling final four games. Like they're eight and four, but 
who are the, the Bears would be the next closest team to catching them. And so maybe that week 17 game has something on the line, but I have a hard time seeing that. The Chargers are not very good. You take care of business against the Lions at home and you're going to be in good shape. So I don't think the Vikings will have a ton of teams really pushing them, but I also don't know that at this point you can really win the division with Green Bay probably holding the tiebreaker over you. So it, they're sort of in a weird spot where you kind of know they're going to be in the playoffs, assuming things go as planned in a in the wild card round on the road. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, uh, Green Bay has to screw up pretty tremendously, Great. which, you know, I don't trust that defense anymore. I, I had a lot of regard for early in the season. Um, and I still think, you know, the, those two young defensive backs that they drafted uh, in the last two years are just pretty incredible. But, um, yeah, Green Bay has to kind of screw things up in order for the Vikings to win the division. What does the division win mean at this point? Yeah, you, you get to play at home instead of on the road, but there's not really a chance for them to get the bye uh, because it's basically the Saints, the 49ers, or the Seahawks, and that's about it. The Vikings had an outside shot at the bye anyway, but it was through Seattle. Um, so uh, then you, you kind of look at the wild card race. The closest team, I think, is the Rams, and, if, and the Vikings still have another loss to play with if the Rams win out because mm-hmm. I think they've got... Uh, six losses. So the Rams would have to win out, and then the Vikings would have to lose two more games yeah. for that to, for tiebreakers to even come into contention there. And I still think they probably have a tiebreaker advantage. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, who knows, right? Um, but the Vikings are very probably going to make the playoffs. I say that knowing that all I did today was jinx the Vikings. <laughs> like, every tweet I sent, there was just, it, w- it was just like the opposite thing happened in two plays. Um, Just like how you jumped on the Gophers bandwagon right at the wrong oh time. Oh, my gosh. It's, okay. We don't need to rehash that too much, but you were at a Gopher bar here I slash was. Minnesota bar I here was. watching <laughs> and embracing uh, a Gopher fandom I, I didn't was, know you had, and I then was, you jumped on at the wrong point. I was skying Moz. I was rowing boats. <laughs> now i just even tonight after the press conferences russell wilson ends his press conference with something like go hawks and walks away and i've just i've only been around pj fleck for like the last two weeks but in my head right away i was like sky you go go for the boat wait what (laughs) i've just seen pj fleck end his press conferences like that too many times But yeah, it was it was uh, <laughs> it was a rough week for my takes, right, despite right. it being a pretty good year for my takes. Uh, but and yeah. you picked the Vikings in this game not to really rub things in. I, I, I picked the exact same score differential as Randy Moss did. So you and Randy, both Vikings homers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, all I get accused of is being negative on Twitter, and then I keep picking that's the right, Vikings. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I think you've picked them in what eleven or twelve games. Yeah, I picked and the one games. that yeah, yeah you picked. <laughs> You picked them to lose the one they won. Uh, but yeah, uh, I was also in a no-win situation because then Seahawks fans would claim me as their own if I had picked the Seahawks. Uh, well, there's no escaping some things. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the playoff picture uh, bo- both looks bleak and optimistic for the Vikings at the same time because there's not really a great chance for them to be able to improve upon their position, secure a home win or secure a home game. Uh, and especially not the bye, but they're also almost certainly going to make it, and there's even a chance they could match up against kind of a weaker opponent uh, in at least that first round. So if they they could play against a Packers team that's been very inconsistent this year, they could play against uh, the Dallas Cowboys, who we know they've already beaten. Um, so they they could make it out of the division round and and threaten to make a conference championship game. Um, but right now, uh, the Vikings obviously have to fix some things, especially in the back end of their secondary before 
they can say that that's something they can do. And, and honestly, you know, you take a look. Anthony Harris is playing better football than Harrison Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony be, Harris has been incredible. Yeah, he's been incredible. Uh, it might be injury-related for Harrison Smith, but if that's the case, how, how do you shift your style of play? And again, you bring up that conversation about um, can the Vikings change their style of play either offensively or defensively within a week and <laughs> do what they need to do uh, and still execute at a high level. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, still a little bit concerning that Adam Thielen had to miss today's game due to that lingering hamstring injury. We've talked to Dalvin Cook about it. He went through the same thing last year and, and talked about the fact that, you know, one day you feel like it's great and you're 100% ready to go and ready to play. And then you wake up the next day and it just doesn't feel like you can make the cuts or run the way that you need to do. So, you, you know, I guess we'll see, but the Vikings could very well be without um Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen even next week I think that you know of course there's also a chance that they get both of them but uh they had to see what life was like in the second half today without those two and it it produced for I think some interesting final stats where I don't think either of us would have thought the Vikings were going to score 30 points tonight and their top two receivers in terms of yardage would be Laquan Treadwell and Alexander Madison. I but waiting for you to say C.J. Ham. <laughs> C.J. Ham was the fourth leading receiver with 42 <laughs> yards. So a little bit of a different game. Everybody's going to you know, discuss Kirk Cousins and um, by law, I have to bring him up since it was a primetime game. 22 of 38, 276 yards, two touchdowns, one interception that was on a well-thrown ball. Um, I didn't really have a problem with his game tonight, but uh, we have to bring it up. So your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he missed some opportunities, I guess, just in terms of, you know, are there areas where he could have improved? You know, I, I know a lot of people on that fourth down call were saying, hey, Alexander Madison's open. Uh, and, uh, yeah, technically he's open. He's not past the sticks. And I think you throw it to him and, and uh, some was, guys named Bobby Wagner. Yeah, four <laughs> yards short of the first down with, you know, maybe it's one thing if it's Dalvin Cook and somebody incredible in space. And maybe it's one thing if, you know, one of the two or three best linebackers on the planet is not right behind him. But I don't well, love yeah, that plus, matchup. Plus, of, I mean, like the other linebacker is like KJ Wright. <laughs> I mean, they both pick your poison. Close down on him. And so, like, I don't know that that's, like, an automatic conversion. Because, yeah, he's four yards away from the first down marker. And you take a look at that play, and uh, and everyone is covered. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to blame him completely for that. Yeah, he missed quite well on the play before. But w- when it comes down to the kinds of things that he did not execute very well, it's all nitpicky. I don't think there's anything major you can say about his performance in this game where, uh, you know, I thought he played poorly normally in games like this. You know, I'm taking a look, you know, at receivers open downfield and saying, well, you could hit this one or you avoided the deep ball. And while the Vikings did avoid the deep ball in this game, um, I was kind of curious. It didn't seem like there were receivers streaking downfield. And I asked, you know, were were the plays even called? And and Cousins kind of confirmed that, you know, for some part, the plays deep downfield weren't even called. And and, and other parts of the plays, you know, they, they, you know, they were taken away by the defense. So I didn't really think I saw a bunch of receivers streaking up and downfield that he missed, unlike other games, even where he's right. won. So, uh, you know, he, his, his yards per attempt was not, you know, phenomenal or anything like that, but I'm not going to take that away from him for this game, because I thought for the most part, his ball placement was good. I thought his arm strength was good. I thought his decisions were fine. Not amazing, but, you know, I think more than enough to, to win this game. Plus, you know, they scored 30 points, uh, which is typically enough and the fact that you know the turnovers occurred on plays that were not his fault uh 
you know, the, the short fields that, that the defense was forced to defend, you know, they, they weren't his fault really either. So, you know, did he did he play really amazing, you know, kind of MVP-style football? I, I guess I don't think so. But uh, were I to compose a list of people to blame in this game, you know, I, I don't think he'd be in the top five. Mm-hmm. So the Vikings get the ball back after, you know, a, a comeback where they bring it within four points. Could have been three, but Dan Bailey missed an extra point. And they've suddenly got three timeouts, three minutes left, and a chance to march down the field for the game-winning score. And um, how different, you know, things would be now. We'd be talking about Kirk Cousins' big game-winning drive in Monday Night Football and all of that. Uh, I think clock management plays, like, if if they have more time on the clock, I don't think the Seahawks squib it. I think that they probably down it, and then he has 25 seconds, which, you know, who knows, right? But he has 25 seconds instead of no time on a fumble. Right. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if you call a timeout before the two-minute warning instead of wait until after it, like these are small clock management things, but that's, you know, it's on Zimmer, obviously. It's not on Cousins right. for not asking Zimmer to call a timeout or something. Yeah. So that potentially game-winning drive starts with a pass to Kyle Rudolph, and, and they get an extra 20 yards there. Um, and then, of course, it gets to be that crucial fourth, and I think it was three, maybe four yards, where you've got to pick it up, essentially, if if your hopes are going to live on. And, and I think what... One thing that I want to bring up with you is um, a number of analysts, including Kurt Warner, were critical of the play call. It, it was a play with, you know, essentially four wide receivers. They all weren't wide receivers, but four eligibles. Uh, the two outside receivers, Laquan Treadwell and Stephon Diggs, run verticals, and the two tight ends in the slot, Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph, run essentially like five yard out routes to pick up the first mm-hmm. down. And Seahawks have single high safety. The two wide receivers on the outside are pretty well covered, albeit single coverage, but well covered. Um, Everybody was well covered, essentially. The two tight ends were also well covered. So Kurt Warner and and some others were saying, essentially, if you've got fourth and three or fourth and four, give Kirk Cousins more targets than just the two tight ends running five-yard outs. Give Diggs a slant or something. So... Uh, there was certainly, I think, blame I, I to know. go around. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I know people blamed the play call on that. Um, I think in part motivated by the fact that the immediate coverage after the game did focus a little bit on that play call. Oh, it did? Okay. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's all that bad, honestly, that call. That's a fairly normal call. It's, it's not that dissimilar from, you know, smash concept, which a lot of people will run in this situation because te- teams tend to be in cover two. Obviously, it's the Seahawks, so they're not. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it's just, you know, in, the, in, this, in this situation, you might expect your receivers to be able to win or you expect your tight ends to be better route runners than the people covering them, which, uh, generally speaking, would be the case. In this situation, you know, maybe you shouldn't have thrown it to Irv Smith. If they're all equally covered, maybe the better throw is to Stephon Diggs, who, despite his issues this year, is still a f- phenomenal contested catch guy, or you throw it to Kyle Rudolph, who has, you know, applied sticky glue to his gloves right. for the past five weeks. Some you know? unbelievable catches, including <laughs> yeah. today in the and end And they look so casual. He's just like, I know. yeah, I got it. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But, which, I mean, a couple of years ago, he was always, you know, dropping the easy ones and catching the tough ones. And now he's just <laughs> catching everything. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe the you throw it to, to someone else. But, I mean, no one's really open, so it's difficult for him to not kind of trust his progression there. Um, yeah, the play call there, I don't really have much of a problem with. The play calling generally, I think that they should have been more aggressive about sending receivers downfield. I know that they only have one and a half receivers on the right, roster. Right, right. But, I mean, Alexander <laughs> Holland's got, like, a bunch of snaps in this game, right? Crazy. Um, but... 
you know, one, not something I would have guessed even as recently as Friday. Right. Yeah. If, if they were gonna, if they were gonna like deactivate Thielen, I would have been like, oh, Davion Davis, right? Is getting right. Or, or hey, deep ball receiver Dylan Mitchell is gonna get. Yeah. Holland was the last on my list. <laughs> I would have expected a free agent over him. <laughs> uh, bring Doxson back. Right. <laughs> but I. Yeah, I, I would have thought that they would have tried to be more aggressive downfield, and, and, and that's kind of a general play-calling concern that I had. Uh, I always think you should run the ball less, but they didn't really run the ball <laughs> that often. Um, so. What a treat for you, then, to see Carson with 23 carries and, oh, and Penny with 15. I know how much you love the way the Seahawks call their offense with oh. uh, one of yeah, the best only, quarterbacks yeah, alive. they got an MVP candidate. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the 38 called plays from the Seahawks that were run, and then you know, four Russell Wilson scrambles and a uh, pretty decent punt fake, I would say. Right, yep, very decent punt fake. <laughs> um, that running game looks a lot better than it was just because of that punt fake. Right, <laughs> one yeah. carry for 29 yards helps you. Yeah, the, the I think the strategic approach of both of these teams is almost hilariously outdated. Right, I think the right. game management that both teams bring to the table is pretty outdated. And also, they're and like yet they're both headed to the playoffs. Eighteen six, right? Right. Like, they're good teams. Yeah. Well, that will do it for us from Century Link Field as uh, actual legitimate Seahawks fly above the Seahawks Stadium. Uh, the Vikings fall to eight and four with a thirty-seven to thirty loss. As always, stay tuned to the Athletic for more coverage of the Vikings. And thank you so much for listening to the Straight Cash Podcast. <laughs>